0: The Real Estate Sessions podcast is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising for real estate brilliantly simple. Promote your brands, promote your listings, learn more at AdWorks.com. That's A-D-W-E-R-X.com, AdWorks.com. Hey everybody, Bill Risser. Thank you once again for checking out the Real Estate Sessions podcast. I can't thank you enough for sharing with your friends and, and colleagues what we're doing here. We're simply talking to industry leaders and picking their brain a little bit and finding out where they came from and what works and what doesn't work and if they have any advice to offer. So thank you once again for joining us in this little session and enjoy episode 21.
1: Welcome to The Real Estate Sessions, and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Risser of Chicago Title Arizona.
0: Well, today our guest for episode 21 of The Real Estate Sessions is Chris Karras of The Karras Group, part of Russ Lyons Sotheby's International Realty Company in Scottsdale. Chris's business focuses on luxury properties in Paradise Valley, Scottsdale, Arcadia, and the Biltmore area. Chris has been in the business since 2004, and I've had the good fortune of moderating panels with Chris, and and I find him to be honest and open about the real estate industry in general, and more specifically, the luxury market. Uh, so Chris is part of that Brophy prep U of A pipeline, <laughs> and we won't hold that against him. Go Devils. Sorry, Chris. I had no worries. There. No worries. Chris, welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. The focus of our podcast is really to find out a little bit of the backstory, where you're from, kind of your origins, and how you got in the business. And so let's start with,
1: you're not a native, right? You were. No, born no. Where were you born, and how did you get to Phoenix? So I was actually born in Chicago. Okay. So right, right downtown, the windy city, and but we actually came here in 1988. So it's like I'm a native, basically. I mean, gotcha. it's it's uh, my my hometown now, even though I still consider Chicago my hometown. Uh, we get to go back there about every year, twice a year or something like that. But the neat thing is I think half of Arizona is from Chicago. So like I had that common denominator almost with everyone here in town. You
0: know, say I was back there last week and I, went, I had my first slice at Lou Malnati's, which mm-hmm. is coming to town, right? Right, Jersey's. right, yeah, yeah. And I had to compare that to the uh, Giordano's I was at
1: oh, yeah. a year ago.
0: So oh, I'm, right. I'm not going to even make a comment because I hear that creates kind of an it's, issue with Chicagoans. About you know, it, it's the like, the,
1: like the pizza mafia or something. Right, right. You, know, you got you to be careful there. Yeah. So um,
0: your family re- relocated here. Yes. Uh, did you live in the Scottsdale area
1: when you I, first moved here? I did, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I, I grew up in Scottsdale. And we lived primarily in Scottsdale, the Paradise Valley area. Okay. And then afterwards, I, I've actually lived uh, in a number of different areas between the Biltmore, the Arcadia, Scottsdale, North North Scottsdale, South Scottsdale. So I've got a, a really good idea of all the different areas, and, and that's that's pretty much the areas I focus on. So it's really easy for me to actually – preach and talk about those areas since yeah. I've been here for so long. That's perfect. Now, you graduated from U
0: of A, and it looks like, if I kind of piece in your timeline together, right, you you went right into real estate. There's There was nothing else before. A lot of people in real estate, I'm sure you know this, right. did something else first, right. and that turns into this
1: second career. That
0: wasn't for you. Tell me how that happened. You Were, were you focused on becoming a realtor
1: at a pretty early age? Honestly, you know... At- down, I was down at U- University of Arizona, and I was studying physiological sciences and chemistry. So I have a degree in physiological sciences and chemistry. And I was actually going to go to med school. And very, very last second, I pulled out, and I said, you know, I can always go back to med school. I could defer for a year. And and let's try this real estate edge. When I was 20 years old for my 20th birthday um, down in Tucson, I, I bought a house. Wow. And I would actually rent out the rooms to my friends. So. You know, as a college student, I was living for free, you know, and I had this, I had a house, you know, that was like, at the time, I thought that was like the, the biggest mortgage I've ever, I've ever seen in my life, you know, I, as a college student, not having money, but, um, and this is all kind of translated, and I, and I had this passion for the business side and, and the real estate side, I started investing in real estate, and and before you know it, I re- when I got my license, and here I am today. Wow, so did
0: you start right away with uh, Russ Lyon?
1: No, you know, we had a, a boutique company uh, it was a gentleman that I've known for, you know, since we basically moved here in 1988 and straight out of college, he was the only one that actually gave me an opportunity and kind of mentored us uh, and took us, you know, spent the time and really taught us everything. And so we had a boutique company called Hague Partners back in the day by a gentleman named Greg Hague. Mm-hmm. Who's Who's a, a real estate coach now? Yes, Real Estate Mavericks, right? Yeah, That's Real Estate Mavericks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great, he's, uh, great site. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's he's a tremendous mentor, and, and you know he taught me so many things on how to look at real estate from a different lens. You know, he's, he's a marketing genius. Uh, but then we, we we merged our company with Prudential about 2009, okay. and I was with Prudential for a year, and then I came over here to Sotheby's. So I've okay. been here for about six years now.
0: A lot of our listeners are out of state. Let's talk about. Um, the geographical area of the market you like to work in where you serve so let's kind of describe what we're talking about when We say Paradise Valley sure. versus Arcadia versus Scottsdale. Is there a way to
1: you know? Yeah, the best way so Paradise Valley is surrounded by Phoenix on two sides and Scottsdale on two sides So Paradise Valley is very much landlocked and that's where I primarily do most of my business You know, it's the luxury real estate's most expensive real estate we have in Arizona so that's where our our business is and and very naturally, it actually kind of goes right outside the bubble. So it goes into Scottsdale and the Phoenix area, which primarily is built more in Arcadia. and we just we love we love working with these individuals. I mean it, we work with a smaller group of individuals. We're not doing hundreds and hundreds of transactions because of the size of the transactions are so large. Uh, so it's neat because every single one of our clients becomes a personal friend and after after the closing, I mean we're still, Working with them and referring them to restaurants and telling them where to do this or where to do that, or they're always calling me for something, and, and, and I love it. It's fun. Uh, so that area of Phoenix, Paradise Valley, Scottsdale is is kind of reading the hub of, of Arizona, and I mean it's amazing. You have sunshine every single day of the year. You know, you can go play around a round of golf in the morning, wear shorts, and you can go two hours north of Flagstaff and be skiing on the mountains. I mean, that's that's the beauty of it. There's a golf course everywhere you look. There's shopping, and entertainment on every single corner. So. Why wouldn't you want to be here in Arizona?
0: You, you obviously you're in, you you work in the luxury market. Was that your focus from day one? Because that's you know if I've been to a lot of different sessions with a lot of realtors over the last you know I've been in Chicago top for 16 years, and you you really find that a lot of people want to know how to get into it, and I'm sure you've been <laughs> asked that question a few times. Right. Yes, okay. I have. So so your own personal experience, it was kind of a focus for you. You said this is this is where I want to work and this is what I want to do.
1: Yeah, So, you know, growing up in the areas of Scottsdale and Paradise Valley and the Phoenix area, it was very natural for me. I mean, I was driving by these homes every single day. I was interacting and shopping and going to the gym and and meeting these individuals. And, you know, I wish I knew back then what I had uh, when I was younger, you know, the, the database and the ability to touch so many individuals that were so successful or entrepreneurs or whatever they were. But real key individuals in our town you know those those movers and shakers and just very naturally it just it just came natural and, and working so from day one i started in the luxury real estate and it was really really difficult i mean i was i was 22 years old basically or 23 years old at the time and trying to convince someone who has a multi-million dollar house to say i am your guy i mean that that was a very tough uh, task to actually to get past but you know, multiple open houses, you know, send the open houses every day and, and doing that. So, you know, I, I just entrenched myself in the day and the life of every single one of my clients and tried to know everything and anything around them and what was going on. And I kind of made myself almost like a fixture of the luxury market. Right. And, uh, you know, over a decade later now we have a incredible brand and we're very thankful for it. So I've, I've heard you talk about this at the panels
0: we mentioned earlier. If a realtor wants to start working in the luxury market. Is there a path? Is there a way to do it?
1: Um, you know, what would you recommend? So it's time. I mean, it's a lot of time and patience. I mean, like I was saying, when I when I got started, I mean, I sat open houses five, six days a week. You know, I sat hundreds and hundreds and probably thousands of, thousands of open houses to this date. Um, there was many times where nobody would come in the door. And it was very disappointing and frustrating. But over, over the time, you know, it, it just happened very naturally. I mean, it took probably a good four or five years before I started seeing, you know, hey, I have consistency. I have name recognition. I have clients that are calling me now and not me trying to convince somebody to sell their home with them. So, you know, the path that I would take is, you know, find that area, wherever that luxury market is. There's so many different definitions of what a luxury market is. But every area is very different as far as the price points. And, truly learn that market. Don't try to be the Superman and try to, try to do from East Valley to Southeast Valley, to North Scottsdale, to Tucson I mean, whatever. Don't try to do everything, you know, whatever the market is, you know, pick a defined area where, you know, you have the ability to know everything and anything going on. And like I said, entrench yourself in that community, shop where they shop, go to the, eat at the restaurants that they're eating at, belong to the charity events that they're That they're going to or or sponsoring you know make yourself one of them i think that that's one of the biggest things that i did and over time just happened very naturally
0: so it's it's really it's like any other niche if you want to focus in on a certain certain part of the industry you got to know it you gotta you you gotta just be in in, in.
1: you gotta embrace it yeah you gotta you gotta make it your own and i think it's consistency you know Don't think something's going to happen, especially on the luxury side of things. Don't think think something's going to happen overnight. I've been doing the same advertisement piece in, in, in a community paper here called the Paradise Valley Independent Newspaper. I've been advertising that for over nine years now. Wow! So, I mean, it's consistency over and over and over again. That's why I said pick that farming area that you can actually afford and that you can handle. You know, maybe start with 200 homes and then grow to 300, then grow to four, then five. And you can always add to that farming area. But pick an area that you can consistently commit to financially and, and handle and consistently do that over and over and, and th- over So there's and a way to scale it. You know, that's Absolutely. what
0: you have to do.
1: so. Absolutely. Give me, give me a couple common misconceptions about the luxury market. You know, the, the biggest struggle that I see. Um, well, there's two probably two big misconceptions. First one, you know, on the on the. Buyers and sellers side, you know, let's let's talk about that. Um, everyone thinks their home's worth more than it really is, right? Right. <laughs> right? I think my home's worth more than it is. So even when I sell my real estate, I don't even hire my own self, I hire somebody else. But, you know, you can't compare on the luxury market. Every home is so different. We really don't have track homes in, in Paradise Valley where I primarily focus. So every home is, is very different. The floor plans are different, the finishes are different, the style is different, the builders are different. Clients and, and individuals, whether buyers or sellers, are looking at maybe the house down the street. You know, we have, we have access to so many internet searches where you can find out so much information. And just because it's a 10,000 square foot home doesn't mean it's an expensive home. You know, or that 10,000 home here and 10,000 square foot house down the street, they're not going to be worth the same amount of money. You know, when were they built? What are the finishes today? More than ever, our clients are very, very picky as far as finishes. They don't want the finishes from five years ago. They want whatever the trends are today. So I think the misconception is, well, if that house is worth X amount, $2 million, this house has to be worth $2 million, even though they might be 10 years the age of difference and one's block construction versus frame construction. So what construction we do, what I educate obviously so my clients, before they make a decision, you know, what are all these things? What are the things that are behind the walls that they can't see? What are the neighborhoods that they're looking into? Why is that neighborhood on that side of the street versus is, is worth more than the house on that other side of the street? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's the, in, in our area, it can change dramatically just by driving a block. So it's, it's educating. I think that's one of the biggest things that I do and that I focus on. And then ultimately, it just kind of creates business. Um, the other misconception... Is I think people look at me and they go, Chris, oh wow, you sold a, you know, three million dollar house. You know, you made a ton of money on that deal. Well, the investment side that we actually market is probably eight to ten times more than any agent spends on a property. We're not only just putting them in or taking some really neat photos and all that. There's a lot of different and and the time to sell a home also takes a lot longer so we're we're consistently right. investing we're investing thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and sometimes you know a client decides hey we just don't want to sell anymore or um, one of the men you know children maybe they don't want transfers from a school or you know the husband or wife gets sick and they can't sell their home anymore now that that investment of you know thousands and thousands of dollars are, are gone and, and lost so it really balances it out and, and i think that was one of the biggest misconceptions i have Friends and other colleagues, they go, oh wow, man, you must have made a huge commission check. Well, yeah, but you didn't see how much money went out right. the window. So
0: I, th- I think people would be shocked. And we're not going to ask you what it is. But we'll be shocked to know what you spend annually on marketing. <laughs> is that a safe assumption? I we, we
1: spend we spend a, a a lot of money. Good amount of money. Yeah.
0: So it is all relative to the market. That Absolutely. makes sense to me. So let's I'm switch gears a little bit. Sure. You, you run a team, the Karis Group. Right. and I'm sure that didn't start right at the beginning. That was that's been a, a process. It's evolved over time. Talk about what it's like building a team. And I'm sure maybe you've got a couple of lessons you maybe you learned along the way. Oh, absolutely. Share. I learned I
1: learn every single day. And that's that's the greatest thing. You know, I kind of on a personal side, I, I collect individuals. So I kind of call it my personal board of directors. So, nice. you know, I collect people that I've met over the years, whether it might be a client or like my like I said earlier, my mentor, or, you know, even my wife and, and other people that we we've seen and, and met over the years, you know, I kind of collect them and say, Yeah, it's my personal board of directors. I can run different ideas whether it's business or personal or, or, or a situation by these individuals and I feel very blessed to to have their ability and a different approaches to everything but as far as running my team we grew our teams for since 2010 um, we started adding people to the Karis group and it's been very organic you know we, we've never gone out there and said hey we need to hire." six people by the end of the week or by the end of the year or whatever it was. So I let it create very organically. And when I, same thing on the, on the personal side, when I, on the business side, when I find somebody that I really like doing a, a deal with or business with and or somebody that I see kind of that's going to be that next rising star in real estate, you know, I'll take them in or I'll ask them, hey, do you want to be a part of the Karis group? You know, I think that would be a great fit. And we kind of do that trial period to make sure that they like me and I like them and, and we work very Um, cohesively and together so you know it's happened very naturally and and that's been probably the biggest godsend to me as far as growing the teams is you don't want you don't want to force it upon yourself And I think that's something that everyone can learn I see it happen over and over again where people are forcing individuals on their team they're not going with their gut they think they need to add people um, but they're really not ready or maybe that's not the right person there's kind of forcing that to happen and you know that creates a lot of turnover I like the synergy in our office, and I think by having people that are kind of forced in their hands or or not motivated or whatever, you know, that really takes away from all the synergy and, and what you want to create with the team and create that energy and and that drive for everyone. So I think that's one of the biggest things is you know if you're trying to form a team, don't rush it. It will happen very naturally. And when you get to a certain dollar point, you know, as far as you know, I want to sell X amount and or have X amount of listings, and you you start adding people. But have a game plan, have a strategy and don't, don't, don't force it. I mean, that's the biggest thing.
0: Right. Part of that building of the team has got to be your relationship with Rustline Lyons, So were they together when you joined with it? Have they already merged or kind of formed that partnership when you joined with them? Yes. And was that a big reason for your coming to this company?
1: You know, I've, I've been a part of, like I said before, I've been a part of a boutique company. Mm -hmm. You know, we merged our our boutique company with a larger company. I brought Christie's International Realty, another luxury brand to Arizona um, many, many years ago, and I'm part of Sotheby's now. So I think the the brand is important. I think it's also, you know, your personal brand is very important as well. You know, I think in our real estate business, uh, having the support of your company is very, very important, but our clients are ultimately relying on the individual. And that's that's where it all starts. And to have the support behind the scenes, you know, with your company, um, is very important. I think that's, that helps you get to that point, but you know, having that natural exposure, you know, because I was part of all these different companies, I've had the benefit of actually collecting top-notch individuals. Sure. And I used to never look at it that way. But Adding then, it to that board of directors. That right. That on. kind of that personal board of <laughs> directors on the Good. real estate side. So right, right. when I travel, I I will go out of my way and, and plan beforehand and make an appointment to go into that office, whether it be a, a Sotheby's office or Christie's office or a boutique office or whatever it is, you know, Prudential or all the other companies out there. So, you know, find those individuals that, that do business like you do. It, individuals, realtors that will handle the client the same way you handle your client here locally. And we've created a huge business off of referrals and I can comfortably Semi-client to, we have a lot of clients to go to California. Mm-hmm. Send them over there. I've met with that broker. I know how they work. They know how I work. They know how my client wants these to be treated and handled. And I can very comfortably send those referrals. And we've created a tremendous business where we're sending multiple referrals out every single year, and you know, clutching the paycheck at the same time. But most importantly, making sure our clients are taken care of. Right. You know, our clients literally come first, and that's that's really important to our business.
0: I was uh, digging through your website when I do these podcasts. I like to go kind of looking and seeing what people are doing. And I noticed uh, a really cool page you have dedicated to local charities. And it's not just one or two. (laughs) It seems to me like um, maybe someone on the team gets to decide what's important to them. Maybe I'm just trying to figure that out. But talk about, you know, the way the Karis Group gives back.
1: It's it's an important part of our lives, you know, and and very naturally it's part of our business. So it's kind of the way that we live our lives and and – we we wanna give back and my wife and I are very passionate about the charity side and we both have sat on multiple boards and we've the problem that we have is just like anything else, whether it's life or business or charity, we we join onto an organization and we don't stop. <laughs> we take it to the max. You know, yeah. we wanna run that event and we wanna do it better than anyone else and raise more money and, and create awareness. So it's kind of uh it's kind of, a, it's kind of our, our little our vices, I guess. I mean, it's, that's, that's what we do. We that's love to do that's that. That's a good vice to have. It's not a bad vice. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so, it's yeah, uh, we love to do that. And we're, we're blessed that we have the ability and the flexibility in our lives and the financial side of things where we can make a difference, but more importantly, create awareness. And I think that's, that's a big part of how we've helped to grow some of these organizations is creating the awareness side of things. Yeah. And it's just the way that we live. and, and, it's one of the qualities that a lot of you know or all of, of the Caris group all the members of there they all do the same thing they all believe in charity they're all heavily a part of charity they have their own charities as well as far as some of them we share and it it makes the world go around I mean that's 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 the beauty of it yeah that's great
0: I'd, I'd, I'd love finding that and uh, to be quite honest I don't see a ton of that um so congratulations on like yeah, well, that we're trying we're
1: trying to change that David yeah now.
0: good The question I ask in every podcast is give me a couple pet peeves in the industry. Just things that kind of, when it happens, you're like, really? Again, that's
1: easy. right? (laughs) You know, there's, well, there's like 80,000 plus eight licensed agents in Arizona, probably something like that. That's kind of high, but it feels (laughs) like it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Every one of their brother is a real estate agent. Everyone knows somebody that's a real estate agent, but you know, the biggest thing is this is a business and sometimes you see individuals that aren't taking it seriously as a business or they might be doing it part-time or, you know, a little one deal or two deals a year for a family member. And Mm -hmm. I think my biggest pet peeve has continued with technology and how we've advanced and, and we've relied a lot on our phones. And I was always taught, you know, the phone, the purpose of the phone is to make that appointment. And even to this day, we still, we still try to do business that way when we can. Obviously some of our clients Prefer texting, or agents prefer texting, but you know, time and time again, it frustrates me, especially when we're dealing with a luxury property, a multi-million dollar property. I'll, I'll get an email of somebody send me an offer, and nobody picked up the phone or had that phone call, or you know, I'll get a, a text an hour before they want me to open up like a, you know, a house, you know, and these right. are people, this is you know, eight thousand square foot house, you just can't pick it up in a minute, you know, or, or they have children and things like that, so individuals relying on email and text messaging and not building that relationship. Um, Relationships within different agents has been a big part of my personal business. And at the end of the day, when you have those relationships, you're able to get deals done. You'll be able to, to put the deals together with their clients when possibly in difficult situations and doing it all by text and email where uh, a lot of times it could be misinterpreted uh, makes it very difficult for, for us to work cohesively and together and to really get that end result so I get a little frustrated when you know somebody shoots you a text and say hey I want to show this house and they don't want to tell you anything about the client or or they'll you know send an email with an offer and they don't give you a a background or history they said here's your offer Uh, it's all about creating that creating that relationship so I think that's very disappointing unfortunately well it's interesting to hear you're not uh you're a young man right and to hear you
0: talking about using the phone for a (laughs) phone is kind of uh against the grain and i I love hearing that yeah so that's well you know i
1: think i think it it will really you change the way you do business and you do it that way and i really do believe you'll see see results yeah that's great relationships are key
0: the vast majority of your business, just from this conversation, I'm going to guess, is referral-based. You this are 100% point, correct. And that's yeah. good. Do you do any sort of lead generation at all other than farming? Are you doing any of the uh, digital online kind of a stuff aggressively? Or have you really kind of built this this business to be based on referrals and, and being consistent in your, your, your areas?
1: You know, and unfortunately, I, I should be doing all the internet leads and stuff like that. But we never have. Okay. Um, I never have done business that way. I've always created business through referrals and customer service. I mean, that, that personal attention. Like I said, when my clients call me a year later and they're still asking me for a restaurant recommendation or, or friends coming in town, where should they stay or, you know, what's a good school or, or soccer league or whatever for, for my child to get into. That's my relationships that I build and because I'm continually talking to them or Updating them. And it's not always about real estate, even though naturally you talk to a client long enough, they're going to ask you about how the real estate market that's is. How's the market? Yep. I've, I've found that, you know, that that's my best source. I mean, they're my, my biggest asset. And I couldn't pay for the referrals that they give me, uh, spending marketing wise or doing lead generation. So um, I put a lot of value there. You know, naturally we get a lot of referrals and leads off of, you know, the ads that we run and the signs that we have and the open houses. But those are very, uh, maybe warm leads versus versus you know a cold lead on the internet where you're buying a lead or you know doing things or they're They're going on your website. and They have to sign in and things like that, right. so You know we get we get we get interneeds once in a while people contact us through you know Zillow or realtor.com and things like that But most of our business is still referral based excellent, and I I, I tell people all the time
0: that um, Try to say you know I know I got to get going on this online lead thing. I know I'm behind the clock I got to get going and I'm like you know you don't have to do it to be successful uh, so it's great to hear that coming from somebody who's had a lot of success just right. by using relationships, which Thank is huge. You. So my final question is the same for every guest on the podcast. If you could give one piece of advice to an agent that's just getting
1: started, what would it be? You know, the, the best piece of advice I that was given to myself when I got started was focus on an area. You know, whether that's an area where you live or an area that you want to to focus on focus on that one area you have to be patient it'll happen over time but learn that area pick an area where you want to become an expert you know learn everything learn every single house learn every single family on that street learn you know who's getting married who's having a baby who's getting divorced you know it doesn't matter learn everything and anything so when you're driving down that street you can be educating your clients you know Hey, that sold for this amount and back and then these people bought this house or X amount and they they invested and did a remodel on that you know these people have you know children and, and these people are here part-time you know create that that picture for your clients and you can only do that by not trying to be everywhere but focusing on that area and just giving it time and being consistent is the biggest thing.
0: Well Chris, thank you so much for your time today for, for, for absolutely for, yeah joining us on the real estate sessions podcast. If they want to reach out to you how can they reach yeah, out to you? I mean
1: I love helping I love connecting with other agents and, you know whether not only buyers and sellers I mean I want to meet all the agents out there and I get phone calls and email every single day so I love connecting but they can reach me on my cell, my personal cell phone okay. which is six zero two nine one nine six five one one or email me I'm always on email Chris C-H-R-I-S at the Karis group so T-H-E-K-A-R-A-S group, G R O U P.com. And just ask me questions. You know, I'm always here to help or, you, know, you need a referral or whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm always here.
0: Well, thank you very much. Yeah, we we'll appreciate your time.
1: Absolutely. But thanks thank thanks a lot. Thanks, Bill. thanks for checking out episode
0: 21 with Chris Karras. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Remember we publish every Tuesday morning. Thanks again for checking out the real estate sessions. We'll see you next
1: time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Chicago Title Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.